Hello and welcome to Same Therapy Podcast. This is your host, Abby, and today we're finishing up our previous conversation about homeless and runaway youth. Today we have Trisha and Jade with us. We wanted to focus more on resilience of this group and how we can help them and how there has been proven help. Jade, do you want to start us off? Yeah, well, as we started to say last time, you know, it was mentioned just how impressive this group of young people can be despite the significant barriers and challenges they face, both just naturally in this developmental part of life, but if you add other risk factors and challenges on top of that, it's a really, really tough time. But what I've been impressed with working with youth in the past is just their ability to still stay passionate about the things they care about, still have a fighting spirit in them. I feel like they are a very admirable, resilient group of individuals. And when I kind of reflect back on my time working in our runaway and homeless youth shelter, I just remember some of these young people having to be so incredibly vulnerable in so many different ways. Showing up and asking to stay at a place where you know nobody, as much as we try to make it feel like home, you know, it's a shelter. And I I think we put a lot of time and attention into making it feel much like home in their spaces we could, but it's still a very vulnerable space to ask for help, I think, for anybody of any age. But then as a young person asking for help and then staying in a place where you don't know anybody and there's rules and expectations that you've got to conform to and people that you've never met and then sharing your story, hearing other people's stories. And even in the face of that, they find ways to be fun and creative and helpful and supportive and reaching out to each other and forming the times really tight knit supportive little community. It was such a huge honor to be able to work with them and I never took that lightly. They enjoyed being able to walk alongside them, help them sort of build up the pieces of their life to create that stability that we talked about, to find healthy supports and avenues and outlets, to feel connected, to really continue to move forward and and help them reach their dreams and their goals. What always stood out to me and I think people ever interacted with teens and kids would experience this as well as just how creative they can be. And I feel like that creativity is such an asset to them when dealing with the harder parts of life, whether they have their creative outlet in art or athletics or skateboarding or video design or something like that. It's such an asset to them to be able to express themselves, to cope with difficult things. And unfortunately, it also feels like something that gets squashed in a lot of people the older they get as they're encouraged to mature and grow up and just face the realities of life. And it's such a shame because it's such an incredible natural coping skill (laughs) to be able to have creativity and as a way to express and channel some of the emotional difficulties and anger and stress and all of those things. That's another thing I wanted to mention that I really appreciated and admired about working with youth. It's just their incredible creativity. But again, it sadly feels like something that the older we get, it kind of gets squashed out of us as like not being a good use of our time. Or if you can't make money doing it, why are you doing it? And that's just such baloney. (laughs) 
it's such a shame because I really see that as a missed opportunity where we're giving the narrative and we're pressuring children to assimilate and conform to the way things are. And this is the way the world works. And this is what it means to be an adult instead of saying, let's do things a different way, encouraging young people to do things in a different way that might be better, might be healthier, <laughs> might be more innovative, more person-centered, more human, but with good intentions that we want children to succeed, but we're, we're still kind of squashing that creativity and potential like light inside them to say, hey, the world is a cruel, dark place. You got to learn to deal with it instead of saying like, wow, you have this passion and this innovative spirit in you. Let's see where it goes. <laughs> yeah. Kind of using it as like a support feature instead of completely shutting it down. There's a lot of missed opportunity for helping them navigate where they're headed in their life. Instead of the conversation of let's figure out how you're going to do this, like the conversation really needs to be about what is it that you want to do? What would you like to do? What, what interests you? Where do you see yourself headed? Often it becomes about these adults who have great intentions. And I'm sure I have been guilty of having these conversations with them too. But adults have great intentions about, well, let's get you here. Let's do this. Let's do that. Here's the next thing you've got to do. This is how you do that. Versus what is it that you even want? Like, I, I feel like we missed that significant question. That was one of the things I really appreciated about our youth programming and even more so over the years as I kind of wrapped up my, my chapter there. That was one of the things we tried to be so intentional about. Like, what is it that you want? If, sincerely, if it is that you want to go to your friend's house and you want to couch surf for the next six months, we might express some concern about some of those choices and we might help you to identify what kind of risks might be involved in some of that. But also, who are we to tell you where you have to go and what you need to do? So really honoring their voice and their wishes and helping them navigate that. And then if it wasn't the best choice for them, teaching them that we're still here, we're not going anywhere. This is how we learn. Sometimes we're going to make mistakes. Sometimes we need to make mistakes as part of life, but we're still going to be here. We're not going anywhere. We're here to walk alongside your journey, not the other way around. Sometimes people don't have the answers to those questions right away, and that's okay. In that space, we just kind of allow time and space to offer support in whatever ways that they might ask for or need. And sometimes that's a very quiet space. I'm not saying and doing much at all, but just being available and being present. Sometimes it's just checking in and asking very basically how they're doing on that day because we're talking about a very vulnerable population and oftentimes as service providers, we're meeting them in a time of crisis. So I think it's just being very genuine, kind of trying to follow their lead as best as we can. Yeah, I definitely agree with that and just want to add like ways to show you're being authentic and genuine is like being consistent in your words and actions and being predictable. So like Trisha said, that people developing the skills to poor decision making and different things like that, which we might advise and provide 
information that we want them to take into consideration, but allowing them to make their own mistakes as long as there's no imminent harm. And then because we've shown ourselves to be authentic and consistent, hopefully they would feel safe enough to come back to us at a later point. Susie, when (laughs) we worked at the bridge together, was a big proponent and and fan of motivational interviewing, which has the stages of change. And I think that's so important to recognize when you work with youth, as well as if you're working with their families, is to recognize people don't change unless they want to, and unless they're ready to change. And that applies to youth as well. So if they're not ready to change, how can you meet them where they're at? How can you help them in the stage they're in? to make the best choices or to feel supported where they're at, be a consistent, trusted adult that they can come back to when they might be ready for the next stage where they're like, okay, this isn't what I envisioned or what I want for myself. I'm ready to kind of talk about or consider other options. If their plan A didn't go as well as they had hoped, how do we supportively help them sort of pick the pieces back up on the other side or put things back together or learn from whatever it was that happened in that situation from a space without judgment or consequencing necessarily, maybe some accountability, helping them to be responsible for their own choices and things that they've said that they want, but from a place of love and support, not from judging and consequencing. Yeah, and then how can the family play a role in that as well? There's kind of two pieces to that. There are looking for those risk factors that we had talked about before, acknowledging when your child may have some risk factors, or there may be some risk factors in your family or your home. Maybe there's a lot of conflict going on. Maybe your child has experienced something really traumatic. Maybe they are hanging out with different friends engaging in different activities or they're not engaging in activities that they once enjoyed. Maybe they're more disconnected. Maybe school has really taken a turn for them or something really negative is happening at school. So kind of trying to pay attention for some of those things to be able to have some conversation about that and helping them to navigate them becomes important. And the other piece of that is to some degree, meeting them in that same space we were just talking about, working towards that foundation of trust, being able to have healthy communication, showing up when you say you're going to show up in the ways that you say you're going to show up. If you make a mistake as a parent, that's okay. You're human. You're going to make a mistake or as a caregiver or an adult in their life. But then what do you do with that? You know, can you honestly say, you know what? I I didn't follow through. I made a mistake. I'm really sorry that I put us in that situation or I'm sorry that I didn't follow through or whatever it was that happened. And then navigating that together, not leaving them to figure it out on their own can go a really long way. From the family and, and parenting or caregiving side of things. Fortunately, I feel like culturally people tend to reach out about their children when it's like crisis stage or it's gotten really bad where they feel like this is out of my control. I don't know what to do. What I hope for could be a positive change in our culture and society is for those supports and those conversations to be normalized and accepted earlier on. So as Trisha said, those you can be talking with other adults or other professionals that can reinforce like it's okay to make a mistake as a parent. 
repairing that fracture or that mistake is just as important or even more important to show and demonstrate as an adult, as a parent, so that there's more consistent support in the family to prevent them from getting to a situation where there is a crisis or where their child feels their only option is to leave home. The support and acceptance of that sometimes parents need to do their own work first or simultaneously when there is conflict, friction, stressors in the family with their children is recognizing you need to own up to your own stuff and process through your own stuff. Maybe some of this is coming from how you were parented, your family of origin, and that parents being supported emotionally, being able to process either with their own natural support network or with professionals is equally as important and sometimes a big piece of the puzzle or, but equally as important to youth getting the support. To what Jade was saying, it's also a very vulnerable space of work clinically as well, because I think a lot of parents feel guilt and shame and expectations around, well, if my child's running away or something's happening, then it's my fault. And I did something terribly wrong. I'm a really bad parent. And I think messaging can sort of hammer that message home. And that's not what we want. We don't want parents to feel that either. So I think I mentioned before, it's like this parallel process from a clinical perspective. I'm meeting that parent or trying to meet that parent in the very same space. How do I hold space for your vulnerability and acknowledge that this is a really hard thing that you're going through. I can't imagine what that feels like to be terrified about where your child's at and not know what's happening and sometimes not even understand why they're doing it. But there's a lot of desperation to try to figure that out. When Jade mentioned before that sometimes parents would drop their child off and there's this, I need you to fix them. I think that message to me says, I don't know what to do anymore. I'm feeling really stuck. I'm really overwhelmed. I'm really scared. And so it's building that same foundation of trust with parents and families together to be able to sort of unpack all of that, like what's really going on for everybody and making sure that that parent and the family system is getting what they need in order to survive. And hopefully, not just meeting the youth. We talked about this a little bit before, but I don't know that culturally we always do a great job of teaching these life skills of coping and communicating and dealing with stress and maintaining healthy relationships and setting boundaries. They're not always straightforward skills. They don't always look the same for everybody. We need to teach that stuff very early on. I think to come from a lot of formal structure that's already in place, I think conversations need to happen in school. We need to set people up for success in the long run. And so hopefully that just becomes a part of healthy functioning for people and If parents have those skills early on, then they're going to teach them to their children. And then that's going to be a part of just natural, healthy functioning in families. I'm not saying it's just the sole job of schools to provide that, but I think those tools are very important to continue to build within families. I think we forget sometimes that young people have a voice and thoughts and emotions and things and they're very impacted by those things and I think our expectations of them are quite a tall order at times. It's almost like this era of be a kid and don't worry about things and just listen to what you're told but also 
why don't you know how to do these things? Why aren't you more mature? Why don't you just get it? Why don't you figure it out kind of thing? And how in the world would you know how to be an adult? It's just crazy to me that we have this sort of legal expectation in our culture where today you're 17 and we're not going to treat you as an adult. If you get in trouble, we're going to treat you as an adult. You can be charged with adult charges and they can follow you for the rest of your life and you can be put in jail and all those kinds of things. You turn 18 and your world completely changes, particularly for those young people who are not connected to a family system or a supportive network that's going to kind of help guide them into the next phase of their life. So these people, these young folks are in some ways, incredibly mature and resourceful and continue to figure it out. They become good at surviving and regardless of whether or not someone might agree with the ways in which that they're going about that survival, they're surviving. They're finding places to stay, they're finding food to eat, they're finding resources, they're looking for jobs, they're staying in school, all while dealing with all these other really hard life things. And sometimes even adults in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s are experiencing, which just, it amazes me. And I just have so much appreciation for their capacity. Like you said, still be able to be creative and fun. You brought up a good point too, is from the perspective of others, there might be a lot of judgment and assumptions made about young people of how they're surviving, because we might just focus on negative behaviors that are deemed inappropriate, potentially illegal, different things. You know, someone might have a job, but it might be selling drugs or other paraphernalia or things like that. And while we want youth to be safe and making choices that are safe for them and will benefit them in the long run, it is still important to realize like these are coping, these are survival skills instead of just making a judgment and assuming they're hopeless, just seeing everything through a negative lens, being really able to recognize the skills and keep saying resiliency and strengths that youth have. And I think that's a really critical part of connecting with youth as well as a professional that might be working with them is if they haven't already worked with a professional that's like, wow, you're really incredible. Look at you doing what you need to do and getting by because a lot of other adults, whether legal in the legal realm, education realm, family realm, might be just saying like, you're a screw up. What are you doing? It's a waste of time to be able to say, wow, this is really impressive. What you're doing is really impressive. And that's a way to start developing that rapport to acknowledge their inherent strengths rather than just like focusing on the negative. Now, before we wrap things up, is there anything you guys want to say? Hopefully in listening to this episode, whether you're a parent, a caregiver, or a youth yourself, the message is there are people out there, there are allies out there, there's people who want to support you and meet you where you're at. And that it doesn't make you weak or failing (laughs) as a parent, caregiver, or as a kid or a youth. It doesn't mean there's something wrong. There's people out there that want to just be able to walk with you through what you're going through and hopefully give you support and at least a connection and network to get through whatever you're going through. Absolutely. This work is really hard and really vulnerable and it can be really scary, but hopefully having a safe, supportive person on board with you to do some help to lighten some of the load. And there can be hope and healing and growth on the other side of that. And that might be 
really scary at first, but we're here to help you do that. And, and we want to help you do that because I feel like everyone deserves to feel safe and loved and cared for. Thank you ladies so much for joining me today. This was a very powerful and helpful conversation to be had. It's very important to have. And I appreciate you guys coming on board with me.